on the path of life, we all have our own unique destiny. The life of every soul has a heroic probability to manifest into its highest levels of abundance and joy, and to be filled with goodness and divine inspiration. That's why I created Awakening with Sarah, and it is my hope to be a guide for you on the journey, bringing powerful tools, helpful wisdom, healing music, and inspirational guests to nourish and bless your journey of awakening. So thanks for joining us today, and we'll be on to our episode. And today's episode is called Wanderer of Earth, Messenger from the Stars, with our special guest, Dante Starshine. Dante Starshine is a yogi, channel, energy healer, writer, and holistic guide. His spiritual path began in 2011 with yoga, plant medicine, and Reiki. Spiritual transformation awakened a calling in his heart to learn the healing ways of the world, and in 2012, he left his home in Pennsylvania on a one-way ticket to Mexico. This began 11 years of nomadism and his initiation to ceremonial cacao and deeper psychic work in 2013 in Lake Atitlan, Guatemala. For several years, he studied under several energy healers, psychics, and shaman, and began having interactions with the Pleiadian Council in 2016. Since then, he has been channeling and fusing wisdom and healing tools from many lineages and schools of healing around the world. Find out more about his work at DanteStarshine.com, at DanteStarshine on Instagram, or on the YouTube channel, Dante Starshine. In this episode, we'll also be treated to Dante's channeling. And he'll talk about his two wonderful books, one that came from his channeling, the Pleiadian Council, called Living Love on Earth, and another that is more biographical. And he will be sharing about those two books. All right. And without further ado, we will be on to the show. I'm so happy to invite my longtime friend and amazingly talented, beautiful being, Dante Starshine. So I'm here today uh, with Dante Starshine. And we're so glad to have him on the show. Really Thanks looking for having forward. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Dante and I've been good friends for how long has it been? Like five years, five or six? You must have met uh, Singing Alive or Plants and Chant like yeah. 2018. That's maybe yeah, yeah. five years ago. And uh, Dante is a channel for the Pleiadian Council. And uh, I've really enjoyed his readings and his guidance, their guidance through him over the years. And he's also a world traveler. 
it's amazing how many places that you've been in such a short <laughs> amount of time. I'm just like, wow. So um, we're going to talk a bit about the channeling, the traveling, and his two books that he's written. And so we're, we're just going to kind of shoot the breeze and see, see what comes up. But I wanted to start with asking you about how did your spiritual awakening really start? Like when and how, I guess, are my two questions. Yeah. So for me, the spiritual awakening was a sort of an intense process, I would say. And then it was this sort of shock of having my mother nearly died of a heart attack when I was 18. And my, my parents were alcoholics. They were under a lot of stress and I experienced a lot of the stress too. And then I was coming of age unquote, you know, because 18, you know, you're supposed to start doing things for yourself, but in a way right. you're still totally a child. Um, so I was coming of age and then seeing that these people didn't have the answers, like no one really seemed to have the answers or knowing how to deal with these crises that were happening. And uh, my stepmother at the time suggested I go to a yoga class and I uh, experienced something really strong after during the shavasana meditation the first time i did that and i kind of forgot about it a bit as i went off to college and then exploring with plant medicines in college really brought me to remember something it mm -hmm. was like a remembrance of something from forever ago and yeah, yeah. Um, this sense that a lot of these things that I'd read about Buddhism and some of my studies at that point, that everything is connected and everything is here and now, or I, d I didn't even have the words for it at the time though. It was just like, oh wow, there's something bigger. Oh wow, what's happening? Oh wow, I'm, I'm here to do something. I'm here to also go deeply into this experience of love, remembrance and Mm -hmm. I uh, then I dropped out of the college after my third semester. Um, third semester, I decided to take some religious studies classes as well, and that was an experience for me of just seeing, okay, well, this this academic program is talking about mystical experiences from this very like theor theoretical outsider view, but the experience itself is something that has to happen subjectively and can only be understood subjectively. So why would I go to school for that? The same with doing writing and art. Mm -hmm. um, why do I need to go to school to understand this when I can just do it and live it, live these things? So I went to a yoga teacher training and I started teaching yoga uh, on donation at first at the studio that was really experimenting with these different economic models and ways of mm -hmm. making it accessible to people. And the studio offered to bring me into a Reiki initiation as part of my work exchange there. And that was this another big shift of like, oh, wow, it's not just we're all having the spiritual origin. It's that everything is made of energy and I can mm -hmm. affect and work with that energy. <laughs> and I got really immersed in this and my whole life became about these things. And people didn't really understand. A lot of the people were still in that like, 20 year old like let's party let's do drugs let's <laughs> so what year was this so, uh, 2012 oh 2012 wow, and yeah 
yeah, I was 20 at the time. And then through all of these metaphysical circles that I was coming to, I was starting to read books about 2012 and the Mayan calendar. And I'd gone to one rainbow gathering the year before my first experience traveling, but I knew that there was going to be one in Mexico in Palenque, where a lot of the first encryptions of the Mayan calendar were discovered. Oh, wow. Are, yeah. Yes. By archaeologists, you could say. And that, that was really influential um, when, when it was discovered. Um, so going there uh, on a one-way ticket, putting, you know, getting rid of my things, getting rid of my life before and saying goodbye, it was a really big, bold and scary step. And... Um, but it was surreal and how long did you stay in Palenque? one month and then our idea was to go all the way down to peru Mm. um, in a van Uh, a friend of mine and had a partner uh, her boyfriend he met these other people at the rainbow gathering that had a van and they wanted to go to south america we were all going to go South America in a van, which you can't even drive there. You have to drive <laughs> to the tip of Panama and then take yeah. a ferry a over ferry. into Colombia. Um, but the van <laughs> broke down in Guatemala, the next ah. country over. We oh, had a road trip of like two weeks to a couple of places, but we broke down at this place, Lake Atitlan. And the ironic part oh, was Atitlan, that yeah. I didn't want to go there at first. Like I, they, I really like. I can be kind of a person with a very like this is the plan, stick to it, like, let's be, you know, pra- not even pragmatic, but focused on the goal, you know? Yeah. Um, and my goal at that time was get to South America for, um, <laughs> but then, so we went to this Lake Atitlan, and as soon as I saw the lake, I felt an energy, I felt, oh, wow, this is special, oh, wow, we're not in uh, your typical place here uh-huh. and I went to a cacao ceremony the first day and that blew me out of the water and opened my heart and my energy in such a profound way and I met other teachers as well who I came to study psychic development and things with and they told me to stay they, my friends kept going um they had a little bit of a difficult way to panama and then they went home and i stayed in guatemala and i spent like six months there until i wow left and i then came back the next year and that started my 12 11 years now financially how did you sustain yourself while you were there for six months that seems like a long time i taught yoga Oh, you taught yoga. Perfect. I taught yoga. And like, for a lot of the time, I had zero dollars most of the time. Like, and it was just like, okay, cool. Like we had one or two yoga students. That means we can eat today. <laughs> oh my God. And um, I had my tent pitched. Wow. Sometimes my tent was just pitched at like a random places outside in nature. Sometimes it was pitched at the hostel and I would pay like a menial amount of money to kind of be at there. And then I moved in with my teacher and eventually like from teaching yoga, then I was teaching Reiki. I started to make like a bit of money, like it wasn't quite enough. And yeah, it was like, you know, first time travelers in tropical places or in any like new 
um, geographic biome, you could say, there is an adjustment period. And that first year was really rough. I was sick a lot and it got to a point where I was oh, like, okay, like right. we need to like come back with, with more money. <laughs> like it's okay to make some money here, but we need to go back and do seasonal work. But it was, you know, that was my dream. I was like, I want to only do things that feel connected with my purpose from a very young age because I just felt like an existential like shock when I would do things that didn't feel connected to a higher I purpose. Totally I was like, well, why, why, why am I doing I this? Totally oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Oh, and God, even like yeah. raising money for the environment, like I was doing canvassing and then right. I was seeing that looking closer at these organizations that, you know, I'm basically a walking advertisement because so much of the money that I raise goes into the pockets of me and the other people who are doing the canvassing. So it's like it's not really going into the environment. Yeah, it's like oh man, bizarre. Yeah, wow. And so that was in 2012, and then you came back. I went back to Guatemala every year. Yeah, but you were going back every Every year. Every year I was in Guatemala, basically um, until. Well, no, one time I went to India for the winter. That was a little wild. I had a boyfriend from Belgium and we, um, part of our karma together was to go to India and we got our worlds blown open there. Wow. Um, and then uh, it took like, what, six years until I fulfilled the original goal of going to Peru and doing, doing a lot of plant medicine work there. And um, yeah, that was right before I came to Portland. We should we sing like you. Ganesha, Sharanam, Sharanam, Ganesha. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've got your Ganesha shirt on, yeah? It's an elephant, yeah. It's, it's well, he's got Ganesha a, symbolism. He's got an elephant. <laughs> I actually have my Ganesha. They probably won't be able to see it from the camera, but Ganesha, Ganesha pendant to Thailand. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah, but against Sharanam, my skin, so the energy can... Ganesha. Cool. Yeah. Wow. And so, yeah, so even when I met you in 2018, you were going to Guatemala every year. Well, like I said, I skipped a couple, but almost skipped a couple year. and you went to India. Yeah. So when did you start channeling the Pleiadian High Council? When did they come into the equation? 2016. Mm. Yeah. And do you recall like a specific moment when you were like, something's coming through? Like, doo -doo -doo -doo. it was a progression. It was a gradual progression and that I met these teachers that one of them was talking to a lot of guides and the first time I met him he like stood me in front of a white wall and then told me all these things about my aura and about my past and how I was feeling and I was just like I, I like I started crying I was like what's happening <laughs> what is happening and so I <clears throat> I did eventually like live with him and he was doing these readings all the time and people would just come and stand there and he would like tell them about their energy and he would talk to their guides and get messages from their guides and it was like just a high frequency energy experience to be around him and we're always just okay talking to spirits and talking to guides and constantly constantly like there's something new coming in there's some new piece of information it was a very wild experience and he would talk about this gnome that <laughs> followed him around and, and one time I remember I was just kind of like staring blankly into space and then in the corner of my eye I saw this like 
these light and shadows move and it became the appearance of a gnome and it was kind of like I don't know it's hard to explain but it was it wasn't like a physical thing in front of me but it wasn't something I was imagining either it was somewhere in the in between it was yeah it was just like an electromagnetic light <clears throat> phenomena hmm. and and then I was like hey um is your gnome here? It's like, yeah, it's right there. Yeah. You picked up on the gnome. (laughs) So, so yeah, I mean, having these, and I had another teacher as well, who's doing things with guides and visualization and all of this. And I, I was teaching Reiki sessions. And so from the beginning, even before I left traveling, my Reiki teacher was like, you can call in spirit guides. And sometimes the guides are going to come and work through you or work with you or work with the people that you're working with. And one friend of mine from the course was seeing these like vast, like elaborate visual phenomena taking place. And I didn't, you know, this, that Mm. was kind of wild to me as well, but it was kind of percolating. Like I could feel what he was seeing, if that makes sense. And then with time, I started to see and feel and hear more things when I was, leading workshops and doing sessions with people like I heard uh-huh. this vo- a voice of some guide or my higher self speaking things to me about this person and it was really about what they needed to hear and at first that was like after the session I'm going to tell you these messages that came through and then it was during the session I'm going to tell you the messages that come through and oh okay when that happens there's this palpable shift of energy in the person's body. They breathe deeper, they sigh, and they start crying. And it's like, oh, wow, this is what I needed to hear, and I didn't even know it. Okay. So I was curious about that. And it happened also as I was doing groups. Like, um, my higher self would give me information that the group needed to hear. And sometimes it was something I didn't even have awareness of before that moment. Mm -hmm. And I was also through the guidance of my teachers, listening to tons of things about channeling and galactic consciousness and this and that. And when I was listening to it, it was like a transmission was happening, like information was coming in for me as well. Mm -hmm. And so I, all of this was happening and I was starting to want more and more if, if, okay, can I channel too? Can I channel too? And so I did, I did a ritual and <laughs> I was like, I asked and I wrote on these pieces of paper. I invoked a lot of things. And one of them was may my highest psychic gift for the greatest good be open now. And then Great I, the voice that I heard in my head said, go and speak this out loud. Um, and I did. And it was, could feel this burst of energy coming into my crown chakra and through my throat. And it was really blissful and really like a high frequency. And I was like, Oh wow. Okay. I hadn't experienced that before. And at first the voice was very slow in a way and almost had a robotic quality because there was like a big mm-hmm. pause between a lot of the words. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of like it was, starting a car, right? Yeah. They're like getting into the engine. And <laughs> so it was an archangel that came through first and then, I started to meet the galactic beings and after some time when I became comfortable with the idea that I'm channeling and bringing in these different consciousnesses, the Pleiadian Council said that they're the ones that have a soul agreement to work with me and I can channel anyone that I feel called to, but 
just for the sake of kind of sharing the messages with the world with, with a consciousness and a being that people can come to get to know that they were going to be the guides that helped me and Nice. Do you want to answer some of my questions and do a little channeling? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> cool. I'll just ask you a couple. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had a reading with these guys in a while, so it'll be fun to see them. Um, I've been told that I'm part of this council, although I don't yet exactly <laughs> channel them the way Dante does, but they're very familiar to me. So, okay. Hello, and we say fantastic day to you at this moment of your time. We are the Pleiadian Council, and we speak on behalf of a galactic alliance supporting your world in this process of ascension. We thank you for allowing this transmission to take place in this way, for it allows us to grow and allows you to grow. And together we come closer to source. So we thank you, and we ask in which ways can we be of support to you today of your time? So I guess the biggest... Um question for me is um there's just a part of me that doesn't quite trust in my gifts and i think i i mean i know that i'm passionate about working as a sound and energy healer and bringing forth the divine blueprint through sound, through tone, through intuition, and and just really like a work of art. Like a, Can we say a, something? Yes, you may. Your gifts are perfect as they are, and they will get even clearer and more defined as you share them. Your issue is not a lack of gifts. It's that you are comparing yourself to others and thinking that your gifts need to be like others or need to be packaged the way that others package it but your gifts are first of all for you as an expression of your passion as an expression of your excitement the more you raise your frequency weight frequency into this energy the more that you are fulfilling your purpose and those who are drawn to your unique gifts and your unique expression of them will naturally be drawn to you i see so what i hear you saying is that as I grow, as I express, as I expand more deeply into the more full expression of my unique potential, that that will draw the beings that I'm meant to work with. You will already draw them right now. Over time, it will get accelerated. You'll draw in more, your gifts will become more refined. But mm -hmm. that will only happen when you start sharing them now. Oh, I see. That's so important. Yes. Yeah, I've been envisioning um, doing a webinar for those that are path cutting the embodiment of the diamond sun and drawing together an online community of kind of first embodiers of this divine blueprint. Does that seem like a good idea? Yes. Okay, even though I don't know like exactly what my curriculum is, I feel like it's it's time to stand up in a leadership position and say that I'm, you know, I'm willing to download that and follow that and share that as it unfolds in time. Is that a good way to see it? Yes, you can do it one of two ways. You can call the people in and once you are connected with them, the information for them will come. 
or you can call in the information. And once you've done that, the right people for that information will come. The order doesn't really matter so much. <laughs> it all feels pretty formless. I mean, it feels like, I mean, I have a lot of, okay, here's a question. Do I have the information now? Because I've have written out a whole like syllabus and a whole bunch of different parts of it. Is there more yet to call in? And does that curriculum depend on where we are in time and space? In a way, you can only process so much information at one time. So you have already downloaded a substantial amount of this information. Yes. And once that information goes from your working memory into something on the page or even in video format or some sort of recording, then you will be able to download more information. Your guides can only put so much information into your working memory at any given time. Yes. So it's, it seems like there's like a parallel, you know, with the healing work, like as I do the healing work, then I will receive more of my gifts. And as I start this curriculum, then I will receive more of the downloads that are yet to come. Yeah. And this is very much true about any message that's coming from your higher self or from an intuitive guide. Once you listen and you take the actions that were told to you to take, then the next step will come about. Mm, I understand, yes. So they've spoiled you in a way. (laughs) The conditioning of your world is such that from a very young age, you're taught that your life will be a certain way. You'll go to this school, then you go to this school, then you'll pick out a school that you'll go to, and you might go to another one after that, and then you work a job for a period of time until you stop working the job. And in between, you'll do a various array of other things too, but that's what's supposed to happen. Right. There's all these, like, there's all this, like... Um, there's many supposed many to. Supposed you're supposed to, to do yes, it this, this way. way this you're way. supposed to do this, this at this time mm. with this paperwork and with these agreements, letting these certain people know, and so on and so forth. Yes. Though this is not the nature of your soul. This is not the nature of humans, really. It is mm-hmm. the nature of the system that you've constructed that doesn't have everyone's best interests at its core. Yes. So you are in a process of breaking yourselves out of this system and out of this systematic way of thinking. When you are working with channeling or with any sort of spiritual healing path, you can do best when you let go of the sequential way of looking at things. Because your awakening process is not always sequential. You might be doing one particular phase while another person is doing a phase that you've already completed, but is also integrating phases that have yet to come for you. So. I see. It's kind of like a, a spiral of just. It's like, not even that. Not even a it's spiral. It's nonlinear. Oh. It's quantum. It's quantum. 
as you choose. And you choose on multiple levels. You choose at the soul level, at the incarnational level, yes, yes. based upon the agreements you have with other past or future lifetimes and with this current incarnation and the genetic family and so on to have a certain map for your soul where you will explore certain areas of territory and then you will be able to integrate what you need to integrate when it's proper to do so. Now, there's another level of choice that is your human level choice. You are making choices in your physical reality all the time that send you in different directions, in different pathways. And this choice is also influencing how your soul develops. So you will never miss an appointment that is truly meant to be, but you can postpone opportunities mm -hmm. by hesitating and by doubting in yourself and doubting in your own heart's guidance. Mm, so yes, yeah, so, so we're capable of postponing, but the, the real um, sort of mm, heart of our path, those, those real uh, moments that are sort of indelible in our, in our soul's path, we can't miss, but we can meander around and change the time timing of those. Is that yes. what you're saying? Yeah. So I, I also want to ask you, um, uh, let's see, there are a couple things. Let's see if I can remember. <sighs> yeah, I had an experience where um, my beloved on planet Tara came to me through someone on planet Earth through the personality aspect of that soul that was on Tara. And I've been connecting with him on earth in his embodiment. And I keep, you know, wanting to have more of that galactic recognition by him that connects us back to our home on Tara. I'm just wondering if that's, fruitful for me to be involved in connecting with him because sometimes I find myself being disappointed that there isn't that galactic, galactic um, link up that we have in the other realms. So I just wondered if it's what's the best way to relate to him? I don't want to just not relate to him. I'm in his community online, so I see him. But I also sometimes find myself giving my power away to him and um, I get out of balance and kind of addicted and obsessive. And so I just wondered what you have to say for the best way to maintain balance in that situation. You have to recognize that you are projecting something onto this human form. Yes. That you are seeing. And this obsession is a great way to distract yourself. Distract. I, I was hearing that. Yes, absolutely. And to distract is a form of protecting yourself. Mm -hmm. So when you are distracted, you will not feel some level of 
insecurity or fear or even boredom that might be beneath the surface. Mm, so okay. by bringing yourself back into your own experience and allowing yourself to be present with these emotions, you will allow the layers of protection to chill out. You don't need to get rid of them. <laughs> you can thank them for protecting you. Though also, when you develop a deeper relationship with the parts of you that experience a certain level of fear, then you won't need a protection. So in this case, we would say that there is a certain level of fear of being irrelevant. Ah, and wow. by yes. attaching to someone who you project relevance onto because of their magnetic charm or charisma, then you compensate for that fear by experience a sort of vicarious relevance oh, I through totally your soul connection. Yes, I so totally get it. What you'll find is that when you face your fear of irrelevance, that you are not irrelevant because you also have your own level of magnetic pull and charm to those who are relevant for you. Remember this about relevance is that every soul is on a different soul fractal mm -hmm. that pulls in different members of that soul family. You may use different terms according to whoever is channeling this information, just like there are many languages in your world. There are many ways that beings like us and channelers like this channel refer to these sorts of groups of souls. It can be a soul fractal, it can be a soul family, it can be a soul group, it can be a soul cluster. They all generally mean something that is the same, if not similar. So remember that you could not be irrelevant in any way to those people who are on your soul fractal. Mm. And sometimes these beings might be in their own sense distracted and they might be using their own distractions as a way of protecting themselves and that might make you feel similarly not as connected to them. Though, remember that it is important to reach out and not hold back. And when you open yourself and you connect with those souls that you really wish to connect with, it will create that netting that pulls you back together. And it's necessary for every soul in the soul practical to do this to some extent. When you pay attention to those that respond and create your bonds there, you will find that your soul is incredibly relevant and your gifts are incredibly relevant. So make sure that you don't seek out this sort of vicarious significance by projecting that people who are in any way famous or something of this nature might be in any way more relevant for you. Mm. I understand. Is is he in my soul fractal? A few steps removed. Mm. So I do want to 
um, get back to um, talking to uh, Dante a bit. Oh, we understand. So thank you so much for answering my questions. Oh, we're very questions. excited to do this <laughs> always. So we thank you. Thank you. Okay. So thank Ooh. you so much. Oh, of <laughs> a couple of questions there. So um, I would love to hear, and I'm sure podcast uh, audience would love to hear about, gosh, your two books, right? You have your oh, two. Oh, yeah. Tell, tell us about your two I have two, two channel books, books, and then I have other books that I have written myself that are more personal, um, more human level, that are in the development still. So the first book is The Guidebook to Living Love on Earth. And so what does that mean, living love on earth? The Pleiadian Council and other channel beings say that our purpose is to be ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and why is our purpose simply to be ourselves? It's because existence exists as a way for source to know itself. Yeah. Like source before or God before there was any existence was this love and light that was infinite and boundless, literally no boundaries, so mm. encompassing, no time, no space, no anything, no differentiation. So in that state, Source didn't know who it was. It didn't know what, if there's something, there's nothing that isn't Source in that realm, or there's nothing that's in any way differentiated from that unlimited consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so it needed to create this multiverse in order to know itself. And all of us are that source, that God, getting to know and experience itself. And it's the gift of a human incarnation or any incarnation to go from a state of forgetting to gradually remembering that, oh, okay, I have this body, I'm in this world of limitations, but I'm also all of that too. I'm also this boundless, wonderful, immense time-space energy field. <clears throat> wow that's um, so beautiful so that's the idea is like living love on earth is done by following this formula that is to act on your highest passion to the best of your ability without, without insisting, insisting on, any, on particular any particular outcome, outcome. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard and, it so many times <laughs> and, and so but that leads you to live love on earth and become an embodiment of source and self-aware as source mm -hmm. and your whole life to have that unconditional love of source flowing through. Um, so the guidebooks <sighs> living love on earth um, talks about that formula and talks about the metaphysical nature of our reality, how we came into being and um, everything involved in this dimension. And then it goes into as well, the, how this plays out in every area of our lives. So it works with the, um, the model of 12 houses of the Zodiac representing different areas of human life. And mm -hmm. then it talks about all of those from the body to um, beauty and aesthetics to communication, family, relationships, money. And yeah, it's literally like encompassing so many different topics and a lot of the my my close channeling students um, were involved in asking some of the questions that became the contents of the book and then i 
and a team of editors filtered through it to compile it. And it was actually like a, was it, was it a year long? No, it was, it was almost a year long process. It was nine months or so process of bringing that together and and um wow, yeah nice. then the second book is it's another year-long process not as not as intense as the first one <laughs> i um, think the first one's probably the first always, one was like, really intense. intense but the first book it is like it's 400 pages long and it's not small either um, wow and the second book is um channeling your innate value so uh, it's the the evolution of money and abundance on an ascending planet. Oh my God. And <laughs> Sign me up. I need that book. <laughs> so this is all about um, our system of money in this time and how that developed and uh, from, you know, the good, bad, the bad, the ugly. Right. <laughs> and, and so we're in this very weird world where 1% owns 99% of the wealth, blah, blah, blah. Um, so why is it this way? And they talk about the human creation from the Anunnaki and how we've been programmed with certain mythologies and that while it seems as if there's these 1% in control, that it's actually the ways that the rest of us perpetuate limiting ways of seeing things and disempowering hierarchical ways of seeing things that allows that to perpetuate. to perpetuate so yeah. wow. it's about breaking out of that hierarchical model and coming to understand that we are all innately valuable and we all have innate gifts and these gifts have value to the world and how do we learn to channel them to receive that value um and it's also about coming to recognize the difference between money and abundance in that a lot of times part of the ways that we're enslaved by money is by thinking that it's the only way that we have to do things. So part of this, uh, part of this is breaking free from those lack based thought forms that mm. say, I don't have value. The other part is breaking free from the lack based consciousness that says, I don't have enough mm. and stepping into this energy of full gratitude, full appreciation for life and for everything and celebrating everything living from that heartful place and so that book is um much more readable I I, that's the one um, i'm really excited yeah, about yeah and it has two oh. meditations in it as well with the purchase you can get the audios for those meditations online and um some practice exercises to work on changing your beliefs are included in the book and it's yeah it's a good um 260 pages but a normal book size not the nice. not the not the textbook like the first one <laughs> <laughs> and then i'm working on books as well that are just about my life and travels and the lessons i've learned wow um, yeah you know just on my on a more personal level um to share with the world um but those are actually you would think that they're more difficult but um, channeling is is way easier for me <laughs> somehow oh yeah yeah well it's interesting like you're talking about that feeling of like like how we're programmed with that feeling of like i'm not enough or it's not enough or there's not enough it's yeah. uh, it's amazing because like as i go through this process of like 
trying to get my website online, trying to learn how to give webinars, trying to learn mm -hmm. how to get my CDs in pro publishing on CD Baby, trying to learn how to pitch songs on Spotify. Mm -hmm. It's like there's always the next thing yeah. that you don't know. And I noticed that I noticed that instead of being able to just to just be like calmly walking up a staircase and saying, okay, life is a progression, life is for learning, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a part of me that I get to the I get to that experience of there's something I don't know. And it just sets up this like panic and like a black hole. And I'm just like, Ooh, why? Wow. Why does it do that? Like why maybe it's a fear that i don't know i think there's something in me that's like in my unconscious that says you have to know everything right because how else why else would i respond with that moment when i don't know as like mm. this just something that's so horrendous right it's it's, yeah. it's teaching me i should ask the pleiadians about that but <laughs> i noticed i was like because i um someone sent a webinar from the monetize your mission and it was it was um not a webinar but an email you know and it had all the things click here and then and, and it was very sophisticated and had a click funnel and i was like i don't know how to do that i don't know how to make a click funnel right and all of a sudden i'm just like you know why why panic it's like just relax somebody could show you how to make a click funnel if you need to right but what is it what i mean yeah i could ask pleadings that but i i think it's just being able to um, just trust, trust in the outpressing of, of life and let it be okay that someone, that other people know something that I don't. <laughs> normalize not knowing. <laughs> just, yeah, just normalize not knowing. And, oh, there's also another thing. It's like, but if they know and I don't, then like I've missed the bus. Like I'm not on the bus at all. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's so well crazy. what about knowing what you need to know when you need to know it because that's a part of the formula as well because that, that's the formula yeah. knowing what you need to know when you act upon your when... highest excitement to the best of your ability without insisting on an outcome you most of the time will know what you need to know when you need to know it no sooner so again okay. it's it's going back to what i was saying is like we've been trained to like think of things very systematically that we have to know how to deal with every step and how, how to deal with every right. trial it, and trouble yeah. that comes up in the process, but no one knows everything. And we as a species know very little of what's out there. So <sighs> that's why I love like um, Zen Buddhism, oh the beginner's, God. the beginner's mind is, approach everything with that humility of like oh, okay i don't know i don't really know that much i don't really know yeah. yeah and and like always challenging yourself to learn a little bit more and to always face into the unknown and like hmm, well i don't i haven't completely mastered that one but become curious right curious right and like curiosity. give yourself credit for all that you have mastered right yeah. Because yeah. there's things that I know and you know that other people don't know, but they have an expertise yeah. there and they know things that we don't know. And so it's like, yeah. No, also that beginner's mind is like, you know, when I get to know a new client, especially for, for, for anything, astrology channeling, like I don't know how they're going to respond to everything that I say. I don't know 
how they're going to take to the information. So it's like we're, we're facing unknowns all the time. And when we're really intuitive people, we can know what we need to say or the know, know the way that we need to approach. But we always have to, to let the intuition work. We have to sit in that unknowing and you have to be kind of uncomfortable with the unknowing because mm. I think I made the most mistakes when I put the pressure on myself. Like I need to know the answer. I need to know the answer. The pressure. And, yeah. Yeah. And so even in channeling, sometimes at the Pleiadian Council, we're like, oh, well, no, we don't know. Um, it's not for, <laughs> not for, for very much. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> when, like, when you can say, oh, I don't know, and be okay with that, it's really helpful because it allows you to be in that place of surrender. It's like surrendering to source, surrendering to our higher selves. It is, and I remember, no like... No one has all the answers, and they don't need to. I want to ask the Pleiadians one more question. <laughs> <laughs> Can you pop them in here for a second? Well, once again, okay. <sighs> All right, yes. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, there's a, the question. One question that I have is that, like, um, lately I've been channeling, and I wonder, like, if I'm channeling my higher self or if there like are a group of beings that want to channel through me? You're channeling your higher self and there's many guides that you already know to some extent who would be happy to speak through you. Mm -hmm. How do I open to that process? <laughs> well, when you've tapped into your higher self, mm -hmm. have you ever asked for one of those specific, specific guides to come through? I don't know if I know exactly who my guides are. To just you mean just like ask a guide to come through? Yes, you know about your Pleiadian guides and your Syrian guides and several others. Some from fairy realms, some from angelic realms. You feel mm -hmm. these connections, so why do you doubt that there is a guide? Ah, I also feel Andromeda too. Yes, you know. Okay, so I can just play around with that. Yes, ask for one of these specific beings to come through, and perhaps you would like to print out some pictures of these stars or constellations or anything that holds the frequency of these beings for you, so you can remind yourself of these beings, and when you meditate, ask for one specific being at a time. Sometimes you are too broad with what you're focusing on, so you might do a channeling meditation for 15 minutes and focus specifically on your Andromedan connection for that time and not the others and get to know how that energy feels and what they have to say. Mm -hmm. Oh, beautiful. Gosh, wonderful. Thanks for popping in again. It's like, bring them in, bring them out. Yes. Thank you so much. Well, so we have about, I think we have about five more minutes, maybe five or six more minutes. So um, if there's anything more, we're going to, in the show notes, we'll have the way you can connect to Dante. He does wonderful readings. I, as you can see, I, the, the information that comes forth is so enriching mm -hmm. and um, so wonderful. I love my readings. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, of course, the books. Now, you have a website right now dantestarshine.com Dante dantestarshine.com you can find all of these beautiful offerings and um 
I'm just going to, let's get silent for a moment and just see if there's any more, anything we want to bring here or ask here. Sorry, I'm yawning. No, that's okay. feeling pretty complete are you feeling pretty complete i've just mentioned in addition to the channeling sessions i do astrology readings too i've studied western astrology while in vedic astrology for two years and so yeah i work with that as well and that's another passion of mine a very powerful guiding force and way of understanding things for me um, and i also do I don't know what to call them anymore. I don't like the word coaching sessions anymore. And I don't yeah, feel coaching, like yeah. I can call myself a therapist, but it's something like that. So um, <laughs> Somewhere mentorship. between mentorship, mentorship is what I love to call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, it's been an honor. It's been fun to do it yeah. live too, right here, right here in the right living room. I can touch him. I can <laughs> touch him. I've done he's my this is my first in-person interview so yeah you're the first one so thanks for being with us today everyone and again in the show notes we'll have all the ways to connect with Dante and um yeah with the equinox I mean we've got some astrological interesting astrology with the equinox I bet I'm not going to ask you because you give so much energy out but um yeah, happy equinox, everyone. Friday, happy I guess. Equinox. Only happy a couple everything. days away. Happy everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, much love. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. And many blessings. See you then. Blessings, love. Bye. I can reach that button. Woo! Gotta get that. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find all of the guest information as well as my contact information in the show notes. The musical selections for the intro and the outro were Let Yourself Be a Wash in a Sea of Love and Mother Song. You can listen to and purchase these songs and more at sarahadams1.bandcamp.com. If you found value in today's content, please like and share as it really helps support the continued production of this podcast. If you would like to schedule a free informational call with me, you can do that at calendly.com forward slash Sarah Adams Healing forward slash 30 minutes. Many blessings and we will see you in the next episode. Mother flow the golden raindrops from your loving hand. Mother feel me dance upon me.